Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cocaine Cowboys, The Deadly Rise of Ireland's Drug Lords, the live show is on sale now. We're on the road on February 10th at the Lime Tree Theatre in Limerick, February 15th in Cork's Everyman Theatre, and on Sunday 18th, we're back at Dublin's Three Olympia. April takes us to Galway's Town Hall Theatre, Killarney's INEC, and Belfast's Waterfront Studios. Check mcd.ie or venue for ticket sales. Kinahan's involvement with Hezbollah, which is probably more to find a way to launder their money rather than any great ideological connection, but that has put them squarely in the sights of the US government. One of their primary focuses across the world, if not the primary focus, has been maintaining power in the Middle East. Any Irish drug dealer that's getting involved in funding these groups poses a threat to the American state. I'm Nicola Talent. And you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Dapper Don Christy Kinahan Sr. and his son Daniel are playing Russian roulette with Vladimir Putin as the Irish government make moves to bring them home to face charges. In an incredible spin of the wheel, they have placed everything on black and have become deeply embedded in the Russian and Iranian regimes, offering up their transport routes and South American cocaine suppliers in exchange for sanctuary, as their future in the United Arab Emirates looks increasingly bleak. As Justice Minister Helen McEntee begins the process of setting up an extradition agreement with Dubai, we look at the links between the Kinahans and the mafia states they believe may save them. This is Crime World, a podcast from Sunday World, So we're going to take this slowly because it's very complex and it's very big brain, which is why we needed the coffees. Yeah. So we'll just do what we can here and explain as much as we know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And we have our giant calculator. We do. (laughs) Add up the squillions. Yeah. Okay. But basically information is that... um, the Kinnahans, as Helen McEntee this week, moved to kind of strengthen those links and start the conversations about extradition with the United Arab Emirates. Clearly, this is about the Kinnahans. Yeah. Um, 
And as that's happening, the Kinnahans we now know are totally and utterly embedded in the Russian and the Iranian regimes. Yeah. They're essentially working almost as puppets for them. Those two regimes um, are raising funds for wars uh, in Russia, obviously, the Ukrainian war. And the Kinahans are facilitating, they're sort of like basically giving up their transport routes and their contacts in South America to move cocaine with them. So these massive big shipments that we're seeing, um, you know, when you're talking about tonnage, uh, these are kind of co-financed. And basically the Kinahans are looking for sanctuary in Russia and from Vladimir Putin, which is so extraordinary if you take it back to the beginning and yeah. to Oliver Bond Flats. It is. And of course you can see... Uh one benefit of of if the Kinnahans were to end up in Russia, I mean, the benefits are clear. Yeah. Um, that there is no extradition treaty. It's never coming in the, you know, foreseeable future. Um, there is, if their money was deposited in a Russian bank, there's no way the West are going to get at it, any Western forces. There's never going to be that sort of cooperation. Um, so it's there, possibly a better option for them than Iran as regards lifestyle. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Russia is a beautiful country. Uh, it's a, you know, it's, it's... It's a mafia state now. Well, it is, but it's still a beautiful place to live. Mm. I mean, it's, there's, there's, there's those lots... Those who, are, who have the money, you know. Yeah, those who have the money. I mean, but it's not, you know, it's not like... Remember when there was uh, the first, the sanctions came down, there was talk of the... Them moving to Afghanistan, and you'd be, you know, they're, they're, Russia would be a world away from that. So that makes sense in in one way. I mean, probably the first sort of whisper we had of this was on some of these. I suppose you'd call them global intelligence websites who write about security issues in detail. A lot of geopolitics, and we had an expert come out, a guy called Artem Krugelov. And he runs the website uh, Putinism, uh, basically. And he was saying at that point that the GRU, which is um, basically the Russian FBI, were working with the Kinahan cartel. Um, you know, they're, 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 what they were saying was that they were buying, the Russian, the Kinahans were buying it from Latin America. And then they were being, obviously shipping the cocaine to Europe. And that they were being facilitated by the GRU or at least elements within the GRU who would allow uh, these shipments to go ahead. They would give them, they would have uh, people there, they would have networks and that that would go ahead. And obviously the need for 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 money has become a huge feature in, in countries like Iran and Russia who are under sanctions and where there's movements of, of legal movements of money are are basically blocked. Uh, certainly, since the the war in Ukraine, um, movements of money into Russian banks is is forbidden. So you can see what the attraction would be. You know, he 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 basically said the GRU. This is a quote: "As a service, earns among others participating in drug deliveries with the Irish drug cartel, the Kinnahans." And um, it's basically they're saying that the GRU, he was saying that the GRU, uh, they facilitate these these logistic networks. They give them uh, security support and allow the cocaine to be moved through and they get 
paid a fee then. Now we know that um, Christy Kennan is a Russian speaker, don't we? Or at least that that has been reported. And also the Russian and the Iranian regimes appear to be investing in these shipments. So they have skin in the game of them as well in getting them safely ashore. Yes. Um, In 2019, there was something like 9.5 tonnes of cocaine found around the Cape Verde Islands. Yeah. And that was on a ship manned by Russian sailors. Yeah. And that is, it's suggested that there was Kinahan, Kinahan roots and yeah. that it was, there was some Kinahan investment in it. You see with a lot of these big, huge shipments when they're caught, yeah. you know, um, in Spain, the most recent being the MV Matthew off yeah. the coast of Ireland. And we have as much as we can confirmation that the Kinahans were involved in that at this point. Um, but those are just massive yeah. um, investments for cartels, you know, yeah. to get to Europe to land safely. And we often hear from law enforcement that it's kind of a multi-investment. Yeah. It's a, it, There's multi, a number of groups have invested. And where the Kinahans are concerned, what's emerging more and more is that the other groupings they're actually working with, the Kinahans being at the head of the European super cartel, of course, for a, a long period of time there, um, certainly since around 2015. But that the other groupings that have investments within these shipments are the Iranian regime and the Russian regimes. Yeah. Now, I mean, exactly. And obviously the the Iranian and Russian regimes are, uh, they have a degree of ties. Um, certainly if you look in, in Syria, uh, during the war in Syria, where, where Russia ultimately intervened um, on behalf of the Syrian regime. The Syrian regime would also have, have had very deep ties with Iran. So there is a whole axis of, of, of I'm not going to say axis of evil to use George Bush's terms at all, but there, 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 is, a, 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 there is support among those two regimes and there certainly is ties to them. And they the both heart of that is Hezbollah, of course. Uh, at the heart of well, but and Hezbollah, of course, are are you know certainly the Americans regard them as being a, 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 an Iranian puppet organization mm-hmm. that is that is effectively controlled by Iran. Now, some there are some disputes about how tight that control is, but Iran un, undoubtedly fund Hezbollah and and back them militarily. Um, the Russians Hezbollah backed the Syrian regime. Um, and the Russians intervened, certainly, you know, very, very heavily intervened mm. and turned that war back into the Syrian regime as well. So the, that is the axis of, 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 of support amongst each other. Um, it's sort Hezbollah, of, of course, was born in Lebanon. Yeah. And um, it is a very powerful terrorist organization. And um, there has been a lot of kind of anxiety as regards what it's going to do with Israel. Uh, was it going to come in and fully back Hamas? It doesn't appear to have, as of yet, done so. There were some shots across the border into Israel, which were very concerning. But I suppose to, to peel all this back, because this is such a giant story, we'd nearly need a map of the world here. And if we were very simplistic, yeah. we'd have one side in blue and one side in red. And of course, they're the different sides. And we have America and Europe working together to try and dismantle the Kinahan organization. Yes. And others, in particular the Kinahan, Christy Kinahan Sr. and his two sons, Daniel and Christopher Jr., have been identified 
as the leaders of the European super cartel yep. headquartered in Dubai in the Actually. United Arab Emirates to make this even more complex. But they've been targeted directly by the US in those sanctions. And they are seen as basically the go-betweens between the South American cocaine producers yeah. and these regimes. Yes, and and these regimes, I mean, why are the Americans uh, putting sanctions on Irish drug dealers uh, who are involved in cocaine in Europe? Like, why do they bother? Um, I mean, probably the, the one of the real underlying reason is their involvement in Hezbollah. I mean, the Americans, if you look at the, the simplistic map that you've drawn up, the Americans, uh, you know, they they you know they supported the the opposition in Syria to 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 Bashar, um, the Russians supported Bashar, the Iranians supported Bashar, the Americans were on the other side, and um, Hezbollah obviously opposes Israel. That's that's their primary one of their primary reasons for existing. The Americans are huge backers of Israel, obviously, as we see again and again uh, over the last couple of months. So these, the the, the Kinahan's involvement with Hezbollah, which is probably more uh, a desire for to find a way to launder their money rather than any great ideological uh, uh, connection, but that has put them squarely in the sights of the US government, who, after all, over the last... Uh, nearly over the last decade, one of their primary focuses across the world, if not the primary focus, has been uh, maintaining a, a power in the Middle East. Um, what threatens that that American presence and access to oil and all of these things and um, what basically threatens it is the is the is the is Iran. And that's why we have this constant, certainly if if we see Republicans and Democrats constantly talking about Iran and the threat posed by Iran. That's because Iran, uh, you know, poses a threat to American presence in the Middle East. Um, so anything, any Irish drug dealer that's getting involved in funding these groups or allowing these groups to have access to money poses a threat to the to the American state. And that has to be a factor in why they've, I mean, certainly the hard work of the Guardi and the Irish state and in getting the the Americans to sanction the Kinnahans will have played a role, but there must also be a self interest, and the self interest is not to uh, fund these groups. Now, like it sounds sort of um, again, we go back to this thing where it sounds cartoonish, where that 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 the Russian Putin is involved in 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 these things, but there's a load of wealth of evidence of the FSB uh, certainly playing a role. Um, in in cocaine trafficking and certainly seeking to profit from that cocaine trafficking. Um, you know, obviously they're not, the Russian circuit service aren't over there buying drugs, putting them on boats and bringing them all over. But it's more a facilitation role, a financing role, uh, you know, and access role. And obviously role. then using the Huala, um exactly. money laundering system, they don't, well, they don't just allow that be used, they take a cut. Yeah, exactly. And, and so that's the same with the Lebanon, although they do seem to have, it's our same, the same with Hezbollah, who do seem to actually have agents actually from that part of the world living in South America to facilitate that. So they're deeply involved in the cocaine trade, but they're not, um, 
you know, they're not putting it on planes and flying it back either. And on a kind of a broader level, I mean, it makes sense because those regimes want to see the destruction of the West. And of course, cocaine as a product is bought up by Western consumers like nothing else. Yeah. And in a way, the West is almost eating itself up with that. You know what I mean? They are funding um, they're funding these regimes, they're funding these wars by their own consumer habits. And that would be something that would sit well with Russia and with Iran. Well, it would. And like it sounds, it does sound sort of uh, outlandish, but let's think back to there was a time where um, Ireland became the drop-off point for uh, super dollars printed in North Korea by the by the communist regime, the most secretive uh, communist regime in the world um, and in a really complicated story that we won't go into they were printing off these uh, counterfeit busting $100 notes that couldn't be uh, proven to be counterfeit and they were managing to funnel it back through various means that we won't go into and ending up in Ireland as a distribution point mm. um, through through basically uh, Republican groups. Like, so these things, that that is a role where, you know, a state plays a role in organized criminality for its own purposes. And part of actually the, the, the North Korean thing was that these are corrupt regimes in the West that, that, that are being brought down by crime and that's not a bad thing. So... So I think the entanglement of those new cocaine godfathers, including the Kinahans and... Lebanese, Hezbollah, the Iranians, the Russians, all sort of is what essentially has brought the European and the American investigators together. And when we dig back to try and find individuals, the one name that seems to pop up as being perhaps the birth of all this, this kind of entanglement of um, the regimes and the cocaine traffickers is a guy by the name of Robert Mink Koch, K-O-K, and he's a Lebanese drug dealer who we started hearing about him well before the Kinahans moved to Dubai. He was somebody who kind of was in the ether as an associate of Christy Kinahan Sr. from the point in time that he moved to Amsterdam in the late 1990s. And that name, because it's so distinctive as well, it sort of always washed around with the Kinahans and it would come up on sort of international intelligence documents so Robert Mink Cock ran the drug trade from Beirut for years and he was a firm associate indeed of Christy Kinahan Sr. and of Raphael Imperiale and Ridwan Taghi, the other sort of leading members of the European super cartel that were brought together by Christy's son Daniel um, around the 2014-2015 mark. So you're, you are saying that he has only recently been jailed again because he has spent quite a period of time in prison. Well, he he has uh, he was sentenced to six years in prison. Like Minkock was is is from um, he was sentenced for uh, by a court in Rotterdam for drug trafficking offences. Like Minkock is Dutch actually, um, and he was kind of one of he's Christy Kinnan's generation. He's he's in his early sixties, and when Christy Kinnan first started uh, importing drugs in, I suppose in the nineteen nineties, really that this was his. Minkok was was at that stage already a major drug trafficker in in the in Holland. He was of that generation of of 
of Christie, of 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 John Gilligan, that that type of era, and he was one of the biggest importers in in or exporters of drugs in Holland. And when Christie can uh, began that kind of business, making direct contacts, Minkock was meant to have been the man. He was kind of a very uh, famous. Uh, drug dealer in mm. it, like like Christie he was a Dutch equivalent I suppose known as a godfather even back then um, he ultimately served a couple of prison sentences and then ended up in the Lebanon um, like the Lebanon uh, maybe wouldn't be an obvious place for, for, for drug dealers to go so there was always a query about why he ended up there I mean I think actually if you, if you look back on Christie Kinnan and when he was there was uh, certainly recordings also they're made of him in when he was in prison. I think it was in Port Leash prison mm-hmm. at the time in the 90s. And at that point, he was ta- recorded talking to, to Dutch drug dealers. And one of them was meant to have been that Minkok network. Yeah. So Minkok was eventually uh, ended up in, 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 in the Lebanon. He, as you said, he was kind of like a celebrity gangster. So I think he did do a couple of interviews even over there with Dutch newspapers. But he was ultimately caught in the Sky ECC um, server hack. Mm -hmm. And um, he was caught discussing uh, amounts of money, cocaine, raw materials, and, you know, other things about money and, and personal uh, you know, uh, about debts and all of that sort of stuff. So he ultimately got convicted of six years just earlier this year in 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 over there in the Lebanon. But you you did hear during that trial that he was dealing with the the Morocco mafia with the Taji network, and that that you know there was there was even uh, reports that senior members of Taji's own family were flying over there and meeting him at certain points. So if we take it back to 2014, a very close associate, a relative of um, Koch, who was a Lebanese man, was actually extradited to the US and he was accused of being the head of a network founded by Hezbollah leaders to import cocaine. And that's really the first detail we have of those connections. Um, Now, in 2015, and this is very important as well, there was an Iranian political refugee who was living undercover, killed in the Netherlands in 2015. His yeah. name was Ali Motamad. And he had been living there for a long time, I think since the 1980s, yeah. sort of on the witness protection program sort of thing. He was married and even members of his family didn't know his own background. He had been involved in a bomb attack that killed dozens of people, including members of the Iranian regime. And he was an enemy of the Iranian state, basically. I mean, he was a dissident figure, I suppose you could mm-hmm. say, uh, that opposed the, the sort of the religious regime in Iran. So he remained a target of Iran, basically. And in 2015, he was murdered. Now, nobody really knew who he was, but and he was living in a, a suburb called Amstel. And he had just gone out to his car one morning and was shot dead with one bullet to the head, a very professional assassination. The murder, even the police didn't realise, I think a lot of them, certainly those investigating the murder initially, who he was. And it did kind of become clear then that, you know, this guy is a target for the Iranians. Now, moving it forward to 2016 and a guy called Nwaf al-Fassi, who was part of the Dutch Mokra Mafia, part of Ridwan Taghi's grouping, is arrested in a Kinahan safe house here in Dublin. 
He's picked up uh, during a raid by the Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau. He's carrying false passports and he's arrested. And as soon as the kind of the photograph went out to, um, you know, international police, it was, this was a big catch. Fassi was wanted for that murder. He was placed into custody here in Ireland in Portleash Jail, where uh, his pal El Rico, the Chilean, uh, decided he was going to break him out. They were actually going to try and escape him from Portleash Prison. Um, and at that point, the Dutch military flew in and collected Fassi, brought him back to the Netherlands, where he would later go on trial. Um, not for that murder, I understand, but for other murders, gangland murders. But nonetheless, the 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 suspicion is that Fassi was hired through Taggy to take out this Iranian enemy of the state. And the suspect suspicion is that he was hired by as a hitman by the Iranian regime. Yeah. Which is a very clear tie and very sort of worrying tie between Iran and the cocaine cowboys essentially of Europe. Yeah, I mean there was no suggestion that the 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 man who was murdered had any involvement in the underworld in Holland. Um I think he'd lived a very quiet life in his in you know in 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 exile in 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 the Netherlands. So it was absolutely a gun for hire uh situation. Um, there's nobody who wanted to kill him except for the Iranian regime. Um, I think in in court proceedings, it's been made very clear that that it was it was done as a favor or a, for payment mm. as well. I presume uh, for the Iranian regime. So those things are are you know obviously the the you know they're concerning. I suppose aren't they? It just shows you that. The links there, but it it's the sort of thing that catches the attention of the American state. There's no doubt about that. And while we're on that point and that murder, would you give a shout out to our friend Miles Johnson from the Financial Times, his new podcast series, Hot Money, The New Narcos, which we'll have Miles back on, I think, in a couple of weeks when a few more episodes go up. I was just listening to it this morning. There's two episodes up there now, and it opens actually on this murder. Mm. And um, he's spoken to Paul Vogt, one of the um, the uh, our colleagues in the Netherlands, who kind of broke the story and uncovered those links to Iran. So that's 2015. 2016, when Fassi is arrested, clear links are discovered between that macro mafia in the Netherlands and the Kinnahans. Um, the, from there, we have the Kinnahans moving in 2016 to Dubai, along with Ridwan Taghi, who goes on the run. He's wanted in the Netherlands himself, and he goes on the run. Interesting point made by um, another colleague of ours in Italy, Floriana Bulfin, who's written uh, extensively around this. And she says that at one point, Taghi is believed to be in Kish Island at one point on yeah. the, uh, hiding where we've discussed previously the Kinnahans hid some of their money and laundered some of their money through Kish Island. Kish Island is this little very strange little sort of um, free it's, trade zone of Iran which is like a holiday island. It's like a holiday island and it's certainly a place where they, they're trying to attract that type of money um, where it's, the regime is probably softer and less uh, it looks like a beautiful place but it's where they're they're trying to attract that kind of expat big money and they're allowed to live a more westernized life, I suppose. Mm. And there's obviously uh there's no 
there's no restrictions on banking and things like that that you would find in other countries, you know? So if you recall at the time of the Regency Hotel, again, we're in 2016 yeah. here, um, there was this strange kind of social media sites yeah. popped up yeah. very quickly after it. Um, and we'll continue on that thread of thought when we come back to Christy Kinahan Sr. and his activities in, the, in Dubai before he was sanctioned. But these social media sites popped up and um, they were quite strange. There was a Twitter site, I think, from memory. There was a Facebook site. And there was this um, newsletter released. Yeah. And the newsletter came in three different parts and it sort of told the story of what had gone on in Spain before the Regency had broken out. And it wasn't a kind of mass-produced leaflet. It was really targeted at journalists. Yeah. And journalists and other people, interested people, were asked to email this address and they'd be sent the newsletter. Yeah. And one of those newsletters, and I'm sure I have them somewhere, maybe I'll pull them out for the next time we're talking about this, um, told the story about Ming Kok and it told some story about Gary Hutch's involvement in trying to have him caught or something like this. Now, that all of that social media has since emerged was coming from the Kinnahans yeah. and most likely was being directed and run by Christy Kinnahan Sr. himself. Yeah. Um, there was an investigation into it and the culmination of it was that it was a Kinnahan-backed social media propaganda. Yeah. Um, it was very strange. We'd never seen anything like it in this country before. Um, I recall that it was called Sir Sean or Sean Sir. And it sort of teetered off eventually after a lot of the, you know, the sort of the initial um, surge of information around the Regency Hotel came out of it. It actually was the first place where Jonathan Dowdall was named. Yeah. And um, he was photographed on it. I think he was part, formed part of one of the newsletters. It was the very first time that Dowdall, who was then just seen as a former Sinn Féin councillor, was ever linked to the Regency. And I think investigators in Ireland were very taken aback. Where was this information coming from? Um, but Minkok certainly formed part of that. And, you know, back to sort of the Russian-Iranian regimes and that whole use of social media and of black propaganda and of a kind of a, um, you know, a criticism of the so-called mainstream media that this is where you get your proper, yeah. you know, look, the Russians have tried to fix elections yeah. and, and I mean, there's no doubt, but they're propagandists. Yeah. But in in more recent times, in, in the aftermath of 2016, when Kinahan goes, Kinahan Sr. goes to Dubai and he settles down and he sets up his businesses and he kind of moonlights as this aviation expert. Yeah. Um, and he's active online and we only discovered that after the sanctions. Yeah. But he's very active online on LinkedIn, on Twitter yeah. and on other social media. And he goes by the handle Christopher Vincent. Christopher Vincent, yeah. And on his social media sites, he is so pro-Vladimir Putin. He's so anti-Joe Biden. Yeah. He is anti-Hunter Biden. Yeah. He is anti-mainstream media. He's, you know, anti-Big Pharma and all this sort of stuff. But it's all related to information around the Yemen, about Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. Look, he's he's a skeptic, let's put it that way. Um, Well, he's feeding his masters, is he not? Well, he may well be. He may well be. He wants sanctuary in Russia. 
And he's out there on social media as this so-called aviation broker and this sort of power figure out in Dubai who's offering, you know, investment opportunities for new businesses. And he's using his presence on social media to support Vladimir Putin. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, he he 100% is. Um, but I think it's even deeper than that. I think it's a worldview. Mm. And there's a worldview behind Putinism, if you want, um, that, that, you know, that exactly that the West is a sort of corrupt culture um, in, in, and that's driven by the US and that Vladimir Putin is, represents a kind of a, a, a man on his own libertarian, you know, sort of perspective. And I think Christy Kinnan, you can see, I mean, he posted, uh, really it was LinkedIn that he, he used. He used that most. Most. Yeah. And a lot of it was of that type of point of view, cynicism about the, 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 the US's or the West's actions regarding Ukraine, a belief in kind of personal freedom, uh, you know, so I think I think he is a, a, and all of that stuff that Vladimir Putin puts out, I think he is a kind of a, uh, a, a kindred spirit, really. I mean, Putin, remember, is <clears throat> whatever way you look at it, like he's a political figure, he's the, been elected president of Russia, but he's a gangster as well. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, so look, it's, it's yeah. One it's, quote here, if you're interested, one? from a Twitter posting under the yeah. handle of at CV Biz Broker. That yeah. was the Dapper Don's yeah. uh, Twitter handle. And he says, I must say that Vladimir Putin puts up absolutely compelling and coherent arguments. Yeah. Um, then it says he hasn't changed, would be that some of our leaders would show themselves to be erudite and well-educated in hashtag statecraft, hashtag Russia. Yeah. And um, what is, but what is, what is he supporting there? I think like he does like him. And what is he supporting? He's supporting, or, he's supporting that kind of, that kind of might is right. Back it up there for a minute, because what? I think Christy Kinahan at the heart of it, let's bring him back yeah. to Dublin and where he started and how he started into criminality and how he started into it was as a fraudster. Yeah. I mean, at, at, he's an intelligent, there's nobody yeah. saying he isn't, well-educated, you know, a linguist and all the rest of it, but he's a fraudster. And he actually started his criminal career as a fence because yeah. he had the kind of the, the posh accent. He was able to kind of go into shops and sell off whatever had been ripped off, stolen. He's able to present himself whichever way he needs to be for his own survival. Yeah, I mean, he went into the prison system here in Ireland as a middle-class man who shouldn't have been there. Yeah. He went into the criminal underworld as a middle-class educated guy who didn't belong, but who managed to fit in yeah. and, you know, excel. Um, you know, in, in the prison system here in Ireland, he, he managed to get his first business partner, John Cunningham. So he's able to talk his language. He's able to bring himself, present himself in whatever way he can. He goes to Amsterdam um, you know, to start wholesaling and to make those uh, connections with the likes of Robert Mincock and others. And he becomes this international sort of with a mid-Atlantic accent and totally parks and leaves behind all his Dublinese. He moves onwards to Spain where he fits in down there with all the various mafias and rises through the ranks and then onwards to Dubai where he presents himself as an aviation expert and he's mixing with business people He's not a drug dealer. He's nothing to do with that. He's presenting himself as this, you know, extraordinary um, businessman. Yeah, broker. He, goes, he yeah. goes to Malawi and he convinces them that he's he's going to, you know, take over their air ambulance services and that he's going to move COVID supplies up the country. 
He goes to Zimbabwe and he manages to essentially feather a nest for himself there. He was going to move to Zimbabwe. And then all of a sudden he's in a position now and they're in a very bad position, the Kinahans, despite these world powers that they're mixing with, because realistically they will be burned by the Russians and the Iranians because they are outsiders. They are cuckoos in the nest there. But he's now sort of realizing that Dubai is going to end from, the Emirates is going to end from. So he needs to lick up to the next place that will take him in. So is that why he's supporting Vladimir Putin or does he have real views? Well, I I think, I think it it could, could it be both? I think Mm. it's both. I think if you look at the philosophy of, of Vladimir Putin, like he is, he is one of these people who believes in the willpower of the individual. Uh, And I think, you know, and if if he can't get what he wants politically, he'll he'll kill the people hmm. anyway. Similar mindset there. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So although Vladimir Putin is a world leader and presents mm. that, like he's no doubt he he's he's even Donald Trump described him as a killer. Like mm. he is a killer as well. And it's there's something about you know um, I think that's a f- similar philosophy to to to. To Christy Kinahan. Mm. He presents as a suave businessman, but he'll kill if he has to. And it's yeah. all about his own um, not backing down and this cynicism about the forces of law and order. And in, in, I don't just mean law and order in terms of the criminal justice system, but just the forces in the West that we all live by, where law, the law, we're equal under the law, human rights, all of those things. Vladimir Putin doesn't like any of them. Mm. He likes instead this kind of mythical uh, macho thing, and I think Christy Kinnan is 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 like that. Mm, well, and I think anti-establishment, anti-establishment, mm. and also nobody should be able to tell me what to do. And you know, I can present this, but I'll also back it up with violence if if that's what I have to do. So, I, is that are we getting a bit too deep? He could well be cynically licking up to him, but I think there is a mind. I think he's just a chameleon. Yeah. I think he's a chameleon. I think he's a sociopath, a psychopath, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Um, very powerful individual, yeah. very rich, very successful through evil means, I suppose. But I think he ultimately will do whatever he has to do and be whatever he has to be. I mean, it's a, quite an extraordinary skill set for a human being to have. And yeah. it's what's got him to where he is. Um, I suppose to, on a, the reason we're talking about this today is because of... Um, you know, the story about the Kinahans and what they're currently up to. And the information is coming from a number of very good sources that the Kinahans, the father and son, Daniel and Christy Sr., are phenomenally active yeah. in Dubai at yeah. the moment. Meetings, business meetings, they're shipping a huge amount of cocaine across the globe uh, on behalf of and with the Russian and, and Iranians who are desperately raising yeah. funds. Um and they have literally put all their eggs in that basket. Yeah. Um, Helen McEntee has started the process. Uh, is the commissioner, Drew Harris, has been out in Dubai meeting yeah. the police. It's becoming a little bit uncomfortable for them, although they are still satisfied that they can go out and about and do their business in Dubai. Yeah. Um, I think they know that the Emirates will come to its end or certainly they will finally probably be blown out because it's going to get too uncomfortable for the Emirates to continue protecting them. Um, And that's where they're looking to, Russia. And you can can see why, as I Mm. said. I mean, 
if they get over there and they have some money, nobody is ever going to touch them. They're never going to be extradited. But whether, you know, whether that's, whether, you know, if you were Christy Kinnan, remember like... Are they of use in Russia though? Are they only of use in the Emirates where they can control and direct these shipments and where they can, you know, access their, well, their South American and where the, you know, where they have their businesses that aren't in sanctioned countries? I mean, do they shore all their funds into Russia and then what's going to happen? But the Russians will take them and throw them out. You see, I mean, if you look back on, on Putin and he had, there's these these oligarchs, a number of them who were billionaires who he sponsored and they became really rich at, as, after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And they, you know, they tended to take certain industries. These people grew up huge powers in media companies and, you know, multi-billionaires and if they displeased Putin, they ended up in prison with all their assets seized. And so I think the Kennedy. But also they were Russian. They were Russian. And, but, and I, mean, I mean, they were his own as such, you know. They were his own, but it didn't stop them. If A couple of them made public statements that displeased Putin and that was the end of it. Their assets were seized, they were put in prison or whatever. So I think if you were Christy Kinahan Sr., you may well get over there, but would you feel confident despite his disdain for law and order in the West, uh, he may want a bit of law and order when he gets over to, to Russia, where who who where he'll have no, uh, if that was to happen to him and they were decided to seize him or put him in prison or change their view on him, he would have no recourse to the, to the structures he despises as he would here. So I think that would be the risk for the Guinness. But would, he re- would they remain useful? Well, they might remain useful, and as long I don't know if 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 these things can be conducted from a distance. Um, but I would think of it from their perspective: Would they feel comfortable moving their assets there and believe that they're they're safe, or will they be getting knocks on the door constantly from officials looking for bits and pieces? Well, we know, like part of the you know, the European American investigation into the Kinnahans isn't just about cocaine trafficking. It's also about the money laundering. And if you look at the sanctions, what the US, the information the US were actually looking for on those wanted posters was information about Mm. sort of the money, wasn't it? Yeah. As opposed to information about where these people are. They know where they are. Mm. They were looking for information about their money and the disentangling of that giant Kinnahan network money laundering network, which has always been open as a kind of a, you know, for anybody who wishes to to launder their money. Yeah. Um, you know, that is under pressure in Spain, where Johnny Morrissey has been um, held behind bars and where that whole Hawala system is being investigated. It's under pressure from the, the DEA, from the Americans. If that is, and it will eventually be untangled, what use are they? Well, they're not much use. Uh, because you can be damn sure that the South American cartels will blow them as well because there's plenty more who will buy from them. Their contacts, they might have a, built up a relationship with them, but there's no trust. It's all about the money. It's all about the money and the, also the usefulness. And, and it's not just about the money currently, but what they can do in the future. And if they can't be seen to be bringing in more money, they do become useless. Now, you know, I think that's that is why Russia, while it would give them legal protection in terms of extradition and that, it will it will also cause them fear in their it, that that they're not going to be safe over there. Mm. 
It's an extraordinary story. It really is. And I think we've sort of really only touched on it in a way, but um, it, it's it's interesting to think that they have become <laughs> that significant in world politics. Yeah. And as I said to you at the beginning of it, from where they came from. Yeah. I mean, Daniel Kinahan and his brother, while their father had aspirations for, you know, global domination, obviously we can see clearly now, they were street dealers here in Dublin as we began sort of reporting and, you know, involving ourselves in crime reporting. They were down and, you know, small wholesalers into a small network of dealers who were their, a lot of them, their friends. Um, And again, what I find is extraordinary is when we're talking about Putin, we're talking about Iran, we're talking about South American drug cartels. In the middle of it, you have guys like Bernard Clancy, Ian Dixon, Sean McGovern, mates of theirs from Dublin who have stuck with them and who are there now because they've no way out. No. They're into something that is so far above their heads, any of them, that they are just hanging on for a survival on the coattails of Kinahan Sr. and and Daniel. Well, I think, I still think the Sean McGovern case, as you've said before, that will be the the test. Um, You will see that first before you see the Kinahans. And if, as these talks go through with Helen McIntyre, she's bringing this, you know, to to the cabinet, to to the Irish government, to approve these formal talks about about treaties, um, and I think Sean McGovern will be the test case. So, if we see him back, you know, he will be the first. I think, mm. and then we will know what is really happening. Well, there's a confidence here. I can tell you, um, just from talking to people, there's a confidence that the Kinnahans are coming back. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, the DPP is still with the file in relation to them. It is a a file that is a culmination of years and years and years of work. It's very complex. Um, But there's a confidence that, and, and, and also an understanding that the DPP will take a time because the last thing this country wants is to, you know, direct charges. Yeah. And for a case to collapse. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's... It, it, we'll have it, one shot at it. We'll have one shot at it, you know? Yeah, extraordinary. Okay, so we'll leave it at that for the moment. And I am going to go and see if I can find those documents because I think I did keep them from after the reading. Oh, the Minkock, look, it, it's a great story. And mm. the connections there are so deep and they're personal as well mm. uh, between the connections between, you know, Christy Kinnan and, and Minkock and people, people around them, let's put it that way. Okay. We did our best. (laughs) We did. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.